Welcome to the Foundations Church Podcast. Thank you, Shannon and the worship team. Man, they are awesome. If you've never heard that song, it's off the, uh, yeah, it's off the Chris Stapleton album. And man, he was in Thursday. I'd love to say you guys did it as good as him, but he's ridiculous. Um, but they are, they did it good though. But hey, um, today we are in a series called Redneck. Um, and before you guys leave today, we are taking communion corporately. Um, so don't leave early. I know a lot of parents, you run out to get your kids to beat the massive line that's uh, there to get your kids. You're like, if we leave, we can get there before everybody else for lunch. Um, but stick around. Let's do communion together as a church. Uh, yesterday, or last Sunday, excuse me, when we kicked off our Redneck series, we talked about compromise. We talked about living life when it's slicker and snot. And um, today we are continuing this series. We've got a few more weeks of this series left. And today I want to talk to you about uh, entitled this, when, you, when life goes out of the frying pan and into the fire, out of the frying pan and into the fire. Now, I would love to say redneck for a lot of us is just a series we do, but let's be honest, it's a reality for life for some of us. Um, just this past week, um, Casey had a very redneck moment that I loved. Um, we were, we're, anytime we try to get our kids, our girls to go to bed, it's like a 20 minute process. And I have to use all the self-control and patience that God has given me and established in my life and display those fruits of the spirit. Um, on, on, let it go because man, it drives me nuts. Cause I was raised. If I say something, you do something right. And they're like, coming off the couch. I'm like, cool. Hey, Hey, said, go to bed, brush your teeth, floss, nasty, and get in your bed. <laughs> Drives me insane. And so Casey's doing this. I'm totally zoned out. And she's like, the girls aren't moving. And she goes, I said, get, you know? And I was just like, you just said, you said, get, Casey. And she just smiled real big. Um, and then it was another 20 minutes to get the girls in bed. <laughs> But uh, out of the frying pan and into the far, that's how you say it, far. Um, what does that, what's that mean when you go out of the frying pan and into the fire? Well, defined, which there is no definition, it means this, going from bad to worse. Going from bad to worse. What, what, what do you do when you thought, oh, <laughs> a situation was bad, right? And we've done this, we've experienced this. And we think, ah, well, you know, at least it can't be worse. <laughs> and you say it, and then all of a sudden you're proven wrong. You just see how much worse that circumstance, that situation can be. What, what, do, you, what do you do when life goes from the fire, frying pan to the fire? How, how do you handle those fire moments when, when life just went from bad to worse. I, I tell this story every once in a while, but it was when my life went from the frying pan to the fire, is uh, almost 10 years ago, um, right before we started this church, actually about a year before we started this church, almost right at it, 
And um, I was actually on staff at a church, and two weeks before Christmas, I was fired. I was let go two, two, two weeks before Christmas. I had two little kids, Charlie and Chloe. We didn't have any money. We didn't have finances. We were broke. I mean, we were broke. When I say we were poor, we were poor. Like some of you are like, oh, you don't know. No, no, no. I know what valuing a package of ramen noodles means. I mean, we were, we were there. And I, I remember that the church offered us a severance package for six months, and we had no options but to take it. But the contingency of us getting that severance package for six months was that we couldn't talk to anybody from the church. And we would have youth sponsors that would come up at Christmas time and knock on our door and we would be inside and we could not answer the door. And, and the way that we left, the way that we were asked to leave it, even though I hadn't done anything wrong and me and the pastor had conflict, absolutely, but it was nothing morally that, that went wrong, nothing that um, deserved the treatment that I was receiving, but it uh, made it look like I had done something morally wrong. And we had people calling us like, you and Casey okay? You, you guys all right? He had other staff members calling, you guys okay? And I'm like, wait, what are you talking about? Well, you just had to leave so abruptly. And I was like, yeah, we're good. And I remember sitting in my living room, we put our house up for sale on Christmas Eve. Didn't know where we were going, didn't know, knew we were gonna to try to start a church, didn't know how, didn't know what money, what people would show up. I was just like, this is insanity, I know. Remember a week before Christmas happened, I had no money to buy presents for my kids. And my best friend came to the house, Corey. He said, hey man, I know Christmas is gonna be kind of thin. And I was sitting there, I, I still picture it. When you go through pain, it's crazy how you still feel the emotions of it. You can still, like I, even telling the story right now, I still feel the throw up feeling in your stomach when you're experiencing things. And I remember him and just being gracious and kind and loving, handing me a check and he said, I want you to be able to buy something for your kids. And can I tell you, even as I tell the story, man, I was so embarrassed. I, I felt like a failure. I, I, I didn't want to go to church because if I went to church, the church that I grew up to, that, that my mom and dad went to, I went to church there one time, two times. Everybody's like, what are you doing here? I thought you were on staff at another church. And then I'm like, ah, oh, dang it. You know, because you're like, oh yeah, I got for, couldn't tell them I'd get fired or then I don't get my severance package. And you're just like, um, I'm just kind of here. That make no sense. What do you mean? What are you doing here? You know, and they dive in. I'm like, just shut up and leave me alone. You know, um, it, was, it just wasn't a fun situation. I didn't want to go to church because when I would go to church, Stephen, nobody knew me. I was like, man, the person up there, you caused this. You, you don't, you don't, you don't know. And I just, I felt so empty. I felt so hollow. And man, life got really, really tough for the first time in my life. It was hard to even smile. And I tell you, I, I came across some verses that are, that are in my Bible and they're highlighted. When I was going through those moments, Jeremiah 8, verse 18 says this, my grief is beyond healing. My heart is broken. Proverbs 17, 22, a cheerful heart is good medicine, but a broken spirit 
saps a person's strength. What do you do when your strength's been sapped? Uh, yeah, a, a cheerful spirit, man's good medicine, but what, when you're, what do you do when you're on the opposite end of that? What do you, what do, you do when you're not in it? Your, your spirit has been broken, and it's hard to get out of bed. It's hard to smile. It's hard to enjoy life. Because I got to tell you, in that moment, I, my grief is beyond healing. My, my heart, man, it felt broke. And I sat there and I reasoned and there was all these things. What, what, what do you do when you're there? Because culture will tell you one thing and the Bible will instruct you on another. And I, I want to stop just for a second because if you showed up today and some of you, you've heard messages about how to fix your situation in three easy steps, how to make your emotions go away, how not to feel broken, how not to feel like you're just zapped out of all the strength and energy of your life. This isn't this sermon. I'm not gonna tell you that your situation is gonna be fixed when you leave this place. But what I do pray and what I do hope is that you discover hope in the middle of your situation. That you discover that God is still with you despite what you're feeling. And so today I wanna give us some myths and I wanna give us some biblical truths as our points today about how do we make it through the fire moments. How do we make it through the broken moments where we just feel like we're broken? Because we're six months into this year. Can I tell you, we're halfway through the year, and some of us, our life doesn't look anything like our resolutions we made at the beginning of this year. What do you do then? Well, the first thing I would tell you is this. The myth is, fake it till you make it. But the Bible says, cry out. Fake it till you make it. We, we've all heard this. We all understand this. You know, well, how's it going? When, when you say, how's it going? How you doing this morning? Thanks, you could have your right leg sawed off. Like, in the, I'm good. Don't mind my saw chopping my leg off. You know, I, I ain't got no money. I'm great. <laughs> You know, that's, that's what we do. How's, how's everything going? Oh, my, my wife just left me. My dog just bit me, but I'm good. I'm all right. Still here. <laughs> and there's got to be balance, you know, because you don't want to go up to a perfect time. How you doing? Oh, my world is falling apart. Dear God, help me. <laughs> you know, there's it's got to be balance to this. But we're a culture that fakes it, to, but, but what do you do when pain gets to a place you can't fake it any longer? What, what do you, how, do you, how do you handle life when, when you, you can't fake it because it hurts too bad? Some of you, you remember back in the 80s, go old school here for some of you, just for a second. Some of you are like, that's old, that's old. You remember, Lawrence Taylor, Taylor, LT, right, from the New York Giants. Um, Joe Theismann, Redskin. Lawrence Taylor, 
collides with Joe Theismann. A part of Joe Theismann's leg is like 10 yards away from him. It's one of the most gruesome injuries ended his career. Boom. There was no faking it till you make it at that point. Joe would go, down goes Frazier. You know, down went, he was done. Uh, One more current in 2013 of March, Louisville basketball player Kevin Ware. Some of you remember this, the Elite Eight. He goes out to block a guy and just comes down and he has an open fracture of the of the right tibia it's it's poking out like i saw it live and then the dumb cbs did it in slow motion and the bones and you're like Ugh. i mean your nachos are going ever you're like oh my gosh you know you're I mean, even the players are like, oh, God, oh, oh. You know, they're, they're falling out like it's a Pentecostal church. Like, oh, you know, I mean, waiting for the prayer shot to hit. Like, hey, 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 hey. Could cover that up. I mean, it was, <laughs> it was bad. There, there, I got to tell you, there was no, there was no getting up from that. There was no faking it. Till you make it. They were hurt. This morning, if you're hurt, understand, you don't have to fake it. It's, it's, hear me. You don't have to play church when you walk into this place. You don't have to say, how you doing? Oh, I'm blessed and highly favored. What's that, what's that mean? What are you talking about? You're blessed and highly f- f- flavored. Like, you mean favored, flavor? Like, Josh, no, favored, okay. Less than highly flavored. Um, because we're a culture, we're a world that says, man, everything's got to look shiny and good on the outside. But hear me, it's okay not to be okay. Some of you, you need to know that this morning. You came in and life's not okay. It's okay not to be okay. It's just not okay to stay that way. And instead of faking it till you make it, here's what the Bible instructs us in. In Psalms chapter 61, David is sharing a Psalms. And this is coming out. The Bible scholars don't know which situation this is coming out. They, they know he's in a cave, but they don't know if he's running away from Saul, who David's already been anointed the next king. His rightful place should be in the palace, but he's running for his life because he didn't do anything wrong. But Saul is hunting him down, and he's the number one fugitive of Israel. Or if this is when Absalom, his oldest son, is trying to take the kingdom from him, and he's led a coup, and everybody that was David's boy, a lot of them that were his boys, his mighty men, are now on Absalom's side and trying to take it over. They don't know which context this is, but either way, it's not good. And David's in a cave. He's at a place he never thought his life would be. And he says this in Psalms 61, verses 1 through 4, hear my cry, O God. Cry meaning moaning or wailing. Hear my cry. Do you know the Psalms contain David, mighty man of God, a man after God's own heart, a giant killer, a warrior? We're told, just fake it till you make it. No, no, no. David, it says, cried out 33 times in Psalms. He moaned. He meant there's sometimes you have so much pain, you don't have words to describe it. David says, don't just, don't, I'm not just crying out. Hear. Hear my cry, O oh God. Attend, pay close attention to my prayer. From the ends of the earth, I will cry out to you. 
He's in a cave. This isn't where David expected to be, but in the middle of his cave, in the place he didn't want to be, in the place he didn't expect to be, he was going to do something productive. He was going to cry out instead of just pout and mope. And what you do in your cave is your choice. But can I tell you, all of you are going to be there at some point in time in your life. What are you going to make your cave into? Are you going to make it a crying point? Or are you going to make it a pouting moment? Hear my cry, oh God. To the, from the ends of the earth, I will cry out to you. When my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. Lead me to a place my enemies can't get to me. For you have been a shelter for me, a strong tower from the enemy. I will abide in your tabernacle forever. And I will trust in the shelter of your wings. Well, that makes me feel so weak. Cry out, wail, moan. That makes me feel so helpless. But the Bible says this, that in our weakness, his strength is made perfect. That when you finally come to a place that you realize you're weak, when you're finally willing to cry out, that's the moment his strength comes into your situation and perfects something that you can no longer do on your own. You don't have to fake it till you make it. First thing you gotta do is cry out. The second thing is this, the myth is rub some dirt on it, right? That's what we've been told, rub some dirt on it, son. Stay in the game. <laughs> Just, you're fine, rub some dirt on it. Baseball, football, whatever, maybe rub, rub some dirt on it. But the biblical truth is, give it away. Give it away. You, you've seen it, you've seen the redneck in the stands and the coveralls. Boy, you ain't hurt, <laughs> right? You see dads trying to, and it's usually dads trying to push their sons a little bit more. Or if dads have only girls, they start pushing their girls a little bit harder than they probably should push, and they get in trouble after the game from their wife. <laughs> that may or may not have happened in the Graves household. You're fine, you're fine. Just rub, carry it with, just carry it with you, just keep going. And you know what, we do this in life. We just keep going till we break. We, we, keep, we keep going until our marriage hits a point where it's falling apart and there's no rescuing it. We, we go until our finances have come to a place that we've got to claim bankruptcy. Oh, I'm just, I'm gonna, I'm gonna keep going. And we keep going until we reach that point of emotional breakdown. And the Bible doesn't say for you to keep going. The Bible says this, give it away. Give it away. First Peter 5, verse 7, out of the Amplified, says this, cast all your cares. Cast means to throw it away. Give it away. Cast all your cares, all your anxieties, all your worries, and all your concerns once and for all on him. For, because, he cares about you with deepest affection and watches over you very carefully. 
Oh, I love that. He watches over you very carefully. Give it away. Don't hold on to it. Don't reel it back in. Because when I recast, I think, oh, you cast something out, you bring it back in. You cast something. It's not what this is talking about. This is like cat, throw it out there without a line attached to it so you can't bring it back. Give it away. Psalms chapter 55, verse 22. And some of you, this may be my favorite verse out of the whole message. You need to write this down. Psalms 55, 22 says, give your burdens to the Lord. This is a promise of the scriptures and he will take care of you. He will not permit the godly to slip and fall. Give your burdens to the Lord and he will take care of of you. He will not permit. This word permit comes out of the Hebrew term yet ten, and, 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 and this, this part of the scripture reads this way. He will not make it possible through a specific action. Oh, I love this part, or lack of action. Sometimes isn't that where it's at? It's you're just waiting. You're just like, God, you're just not, you're not moving. You're not doing, you're not making things happen. And you're just sitting there and you're waiting for God to act. He will not make it possible through a specific action or lack of action for the godly to slip and fall. He will not permit you to slip and fall. Best way I think of this is when we uh, would go to swim in our neighborhood pool, especially when the girls were small. Man, it's like a free-for-all in that pool. Can I tell you, when you go to a neighborhood pool, it's survival of the fittest. You better be ready to hold your, if you get a spot in the pool, you gotta like guard it. And I know it is filled with urine in that pool. I completely understand. I'm like, oh, this is so gross. But dad, jump in the pool with me. Uh, okay. The people. And I'm there. My kids are swimming. And then there's just these idiot kids, man. I'm just going to be honest. I'm just being transparent. They just jump in. They don't care who's there. They're just going to jump right in on your little kid's head. And I'm in the pool. I'm watching over my kids. That kid jumps in. I've done this several times. I will push that kid in midair. Wham! And he's like, Whoa, and his feet are flipping. Mom and dad are looking at me. I'm like, if you don't like it, get in the pee pool with me and watch over your kid so some crazy adult doesn't push him. Because I'm not going to let something outside take my kid out. And can I tell you, ooh, that's what this scripture is saying. He watches over you carefully and he is not going to permit something to take you out. He is watching over you. It's not gonna be a lack of action that takes you out. It's not gonna be an outside action that takes you out because God is still in control. He's still in authority. That's why it says he will not permit. He's still in the midst of the situation. He's still in control of the situation and it's it's not going to overwhelm you. It's not going to overcome you as long as you learn to give it away. To give it away. Because the truth is he watches over you carefully. And he's not going to allow. He's not going to permit anything 
to make you slip and fall. The third thing is this, the myth is run it off. Oh, run, you ever hit your toe, stub your toe, on, so I'm talking minor injuries here. You, you stub your toe or you get a Charlie horse. Dude, I look like Fran Sanford running around. Like, I'm like, oh, you know, I, I just, I take off and I'm running. I'm like, ah, you know, and I'm just trying to run the Charlie horse and my whole family's laughing or I've stubbed my toe and I'm like, mm, and I just take, I mean, I'm just like, boom. Like, Justin's got the Holy Ghost. He's running, he's running. There he goes. I, I just, man, I, I'm like, whoa, I can't, I can't do this. Run it off, run, run it off. That's the myth, just, just keep running. You know what, we do that. Keep running. We try to run away from our pain. We try to run away from the people that hurt us. We try to run away from the, because if I can run fast enough, if I can run far enough, then I won't feel it any longer. If I can keep just running, it'll take my mind off of all that I'm dealing with. The truth is, the biblical truth is this, is that God's with you and he's in the waiting. God's with you and he's in the waiting. That's the hard part. It's waiting for things to get better. It's you know you're in the fire you know you're in the front, and you're just, you're just waiting for it to get better. I, I worked at Starbucks before we started this church. I had 18, 19, 20-year-old kids telling me all about leadership and how to make the most out of my life. And I was like, you better shut up right now. <laughs> I, I was waiting for it to get better. I tell you, God is with you, and he's in the waiting. Psalms 34, verse 18 says, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted and save those who are crushed in spirit. Psalms 23, 4, I love, I love this. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. It didn't say that the you never go through the valley, does it? It doesn't say that you never go through the hard times. It says, I may be in the valley of the shadow of death. I may be in the very place I don't want to be, but I don't have to fear because I know you're with me in it. The other day, um, Charlie was in her room and she was dancing in her room all alone. I guess that's what teenager girls do at this time and moment in their life. I'm like, have yeah, at it. Um, she's dancing, having a great time, I guess. And me and Casey are in a conversation downstairs and Charlie comes, I don't, I don't know what kind of dance she was doing. Um, it's, no, it's no dance I've ever done, apparently. And she comes up and swings her, I don't know if she's doing the lawnmower, I don't know. I, but she came up and she hit the light fixture on her fan, not like the bulb, the fixture, and broke it. 
and it cut her hand. Um, and we've got a picture of it. Um, it cut her hand pretty bad. Um, you were just like, and so me and Casey are downstairs. We're talking. Charlie, like literally, it looks like a little bit of a murder scene in her bedroom. And she comes down the stairs with her hand, like kind of like this. And she goes, hey, mom. And Casey goes, Charlie, I'm talking to your dad. Wait just a moment. <laughs> right. Charlie goes, mom. Char Charlie, I said, wait. And then Charlie holds up her hand. She goes, why didn't you tell me, Charlie? Uh, <laughs> I was like, mom of the year, what's up? <laughs> here's the deal. There's blood everywhere. So we get out of the faucet so we can see what happens. We're like, what happened? She told us why I was dancing. I was like, whatever. Um, <laughs> so we put water on. She's like, am I going to have to go, to, you know, like to the emergency room? I was, we looked at the first cut and we're like, uh maybe, maybe. And then we looked at the second cup. I was like, oh yeah, you got to go. You got to go to the urgent care or something. And we're going to have to call Dr. Kevin Kunkel um, and figure this out because I can't fix that. <laughs> a little Dermabond, a little Elmer's glue ain't going to fix that. And so we wrap it up and we, I ask Charlie, I go, so who do you want to take you? And this astonished me. This is like crazy. She goes, I want you to take me, dad. What? She goes, yeah. So, so we go to the urgent care and um, we get into the urgent care and she's like, dad, do I, do I have to get stitches? I'm like, I don't know, probably, but I don't know. They're going to have to give me shots. I, I don't know. Well, what are they going to, I, I don't know, Charlie. I don't, I, I am not Dr. Justin Graves, even though I pretend to be at times. I am not a doctor. And we get in there and they're like, oh, they're gonna, we're, yeah, we're going to have to give you shots to numb it. Oh, you know, and she's, she's all anxious and she's panicked and they start putting the shots in and Charlie's like sitting there and I'm like, Charlie, you got to breathe because she was like this. And I said, Charlie, you got to breathe. She goes, <laughs> and we started laughing and like trying. I'm really great at distracting people if you don't know that. Um, just take me to the grocery store and you will not fill your list. You'll come home with a lot of fun things, um, but not the groceries you went with. And uh, we, we went there, and, and can I tell you, I, I couldn't fix it for her. I couldn't make the pain go away, but I could be with her in it. Can I tell you that's your heavenly father? I, this morning, I'm not, I'm not telling you he's going to make the valley go away. I'm not telling you that you're not going to hurt any longer, that you're not going to be embarrassed, that your feelings are going to change all this. But, but, but what I can tell you is, yea, though I go through the valley of the shadow of death, I will, you don't have to be fearful because he's with you in the waiting. He's with you while you're waiting for it to get better. And I, I close with this verse. It says this in Psalm 73, 26. It says, my health may fail. Or my spirit may grow weak. And some of you, that's where you are. But God remains the strength of my heart. He is mine forever. Everything may go wrong. I may have gone from the fire frying pan to the fire, and I feel weak. But God remains a strength of my heart. 
He is mine forever. I may be hurt. I may be tired. But God's with me in the waiting. Chloe plays soccer and there's something her coach, Craig Bowman, does that I absolutely love. When our girls are out there running and playing the game, if one of them gets hurt, and I mean like really hurt, like they're crying, they're not getting up, they go down and they raise their hand. And Craig, Craig's not tall, but he makes up for his height (laughs) with his voice. Man, that guy yells like a bear. He's game can be going, but he spotted his injured player on the field. And he's like, Ref! <laughs> Ref! I got, I got one injured. I got one down. And when they pause the game, I love this. Craig runs out to his player and he picks them up, probably because they're girls and not boys. I understand this. <laughs> but he picks them up and he brings them back over to the sideline. And every time he does it, every time it happens, it gets me. Because I, it's the perfect picture of what God does in our situation. Man, you may be hurt, you may be down, and you're saying, I, I can't fake it any longer. I, I can't move. Promises this give your burdens to the Lord and He will take care of you. He'll come to you, He'll be with you in the waiting, He'll be with you in the valley, He'll be with you in the hurt, and He will not permit the godly to slip and to fall. Hear me, he's with you in the hurt. He's with you in the waiting. He is the strength of your soul. And the great thing is he's yours forever. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. God, I I come here. Lord, I know there's hurt. You know what, this morning, if you're here and you just say, Justin, you know what, I'm just, right now I'm hurting. I'm in that waiting moment. If that's you, would you just raise your hand? You just say, that's me. Eyes are closed, you just say, that's that's me. And you just lift your hand right now. Yeah, 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 yeah. Is there anyone else? You just say, that's me, that's me. That's where I'm at, that's where I'm at. Lord, Lord, you see, you see us. And Lord, there's pain, there's hurt we're dealing with. And your word says if we cast all our cares on you, if we get rid of all our fear, our anxiety, our worries, our hurt, that you will take care of us. God, this morning I pray, be with them. 
Lord, I pray that, Lord, they may be in the valley of life. Lord, I pray that they would realize that in the middle of the hurt, you're right there with them. You're in the hurting. You're in the waiting. You're in the frying pan. You're in the fire. Wherever life may be, you're with them. Lord, I pray that this morning we would realize just how close you are. That, Lord, your word says you draw close to the broken, the crushed in spirit. Lord, I pray draw close. Lord, we may not be able to even move anymore. We may not feel like we can even function. We don't want to get out of bed. We've given up trying to find our dreams. Lord, we're just trying to find sleep. Lord, I, I, for that soul, for that person, God, I pray you would be so near to them. Lord, that they would feel you walk through this process and walk through this valley, that your staff and your rod are there to guide them and to protect them, that you are still with them. You will not permit them to slip and fall. God, I pray this morning that you would be near to them. Lord, they would not be overcome and they would not be overwhelmed, but they would keep walking because you're infusing them with strength. Lord, I pray, be with them this morning. It's in Jesus' name I pray, with heads bowed and eyes closed. If you're here this morning, you say, Justin, I'm here, and I don't know Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. Maybe you're here and you need to recommit your life. Man, this is your cry out moment. This is your cry out time of your life. I'm going to count to three and all I want you to do is raise your hand. We're not going to embarrass you. We're not going to lead you to another room. We're going to lead you in a prayer that will change your life. That's you. Just raise your hand when I get to three. One, two, three. Is there anyone here this morning? You say, Justin, that's me. There's one. There's two. Is there anyone else? You join these hands that are raised. You say, Justin, that's me and I want to join these two hands are lifted before we go any further. Yeah, I see your hand. There's three hands. Is there anyone else you say, Justin, that's me, before we go any further in service? If you raise your hand, if you please repeat this prayer after me and mean it from your heart. Jesus, I come before you today and I confess that I have sinned, that I have messed up, but I ask for your forgiveness. God, I cry out to you and I ask that your grace and love would enter my life. I turn away from the life that I was living to grab hold of the life you have for me. I confess you, Jesus Christ, to be the Lord and Savior of my life. I'm going to live for you the rest of my days. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Can we give these three individuals that raised their hand a huge round of applause? Yeah, what an awesome. Thanks so much for listening to our podcast. If you have any questions, are in need of prayer, or would like to join a connect group, feel free to email me at Nicole at foundationschurch.tv.